0: This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Funding for this class is provided by Benjamin Aghyeh and family in loving memory of Raphael, son of Chacham Rabbi Chia. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg
1: The end of uh, chapter 10, page 155 and we're discussing the complete tzaddik But in the level of the tzaddik, there is the incomplete tzaddik, and then there is the complete tzaddik, the ideal. And he quotes from the Zayar, page 155, he quotes from the Zayar, that the the complete tzaddik is called Bnei Aliyah. They are from the superior men, and they are very few. Even amongst the tzaddikim, they are very few. And... And he's going to explain that the reason why they're called the Aliyah is because they have the ability to transform darkness to light, bitterness to sweetness. And that only, only the complete tzaddik has that ability to totally transform uh, negative to positive, because just like the tzaddik himself, the tzaddik has totally transformed his own personality, his own being. There's been a core transformation that he has transformed his pleasure. That his entire pleasure is nothing other than godliness. And therefore, godliness is the most natural thing in the world to him. Uh, versus the incomplete tzaddik, the incomplete tzaddik is someone who has a very powerful willpower and uh, attraction towards godliness. And the neshama is so overwhelming that it totally, it totally um, nullifies the evil inclination. So the incomplete tzaddik doesn't feel anything, any negativity. He doesn't feel that there's any trace of lev- negativity left in him. On a conscious level, the, uh, there's nothing left. But there is a trace left. Subconsciously, there still is a trace left. But he doesn't feel it. Because all he senses, all he feels is the power of his soul. But it's the incomplete Tzaddik is like a human being who's basically grounded in this world, but he feels that this otherworldly reality, this otherworldly reality of the divine, of selflessness, of goodness, is is a force in his life, and it's so overwhelmingly powerful, that it totally subdues any, any ego. And therefore, the ego is dead, basically. There's no, he doesn't feel any ego. He doesn't feel sense that he still has a trace of ego left in him. But nevertheless, the incomplete tzaddik is like this otherworldly figure. It's like this otherworldly phenomenon. He's in, he senses the divine and the godly and, and the infinite, and he's just in touch with a, with a heavenly, heavenly type of reality, Feeling that it's a heavenly type of reality, feeling that it's an otherworldly type of reality. Because essentially, he still has a trace of ego left. So, therefore, his perspective is still a very a human and, and a human perspective. But he feels this overwhelming reality of a different type of a reality. And that otherworldly reality becomes his dominant reality that he's in tune, he's connected, he has a window to heaven, he's connected with the, with the divine, with the godly. With, um, but the complete tzaddik, however, is one who godliness is totally natural to him. There's nothing otherworldly about it. It has totally transformed his very nature. His natural mind, his ego mind, thinks godliness sees godliness in everything, senses godliness in everything. There's nothing otherworldly about it. It's the most natural thing in the world. So to us, to 99.9% of us, the Benini, for sure, the whole, the whole Yiddish guide is something which is, it's, it's like a novelty. It's something that we have to go against our nature. We have to sometimes break our nature. We have to discipline our nature. We have to... Force ourselves to behave the right way and do the right thing and think the right way and speak the right way. But even the complete, even the incomplete sadhi, who doesn't have to subdue or force, or break his nature, but he has transformed his nature. He has no appetite, no desire for anything negative. His appetite and desire is only for something wholesome and godly and positive. But nevertheless, he still senses that this godliness is something that's it's something that's transcendent. It's something that's beyond him. It's something otherworldly. But it has penetrated through his consciousness. And he senses the force and the power of this, of this, uh, of this godly urge and desire. And that predominates and that, that prevails in his life. But the complete tzaddik, however, his entire being has been totally transformed. It's been a core transformation. His pleasure, his pleasure principle has been transformed. What does he find pleasurable? He, finds ple- he only finds pleasure in godly things. And therefore, that becomes his nature. Pleasure is you. Pleasure is your nature. When you, have, when you have pleasure in something, that means it's been totally internalized, totally integrated. It's your essence. It's who you are. So the complete tzaddik, godliness is natural. It's human. There's nothing otherworldly about it. It's totally natural. He sees godliness in everything, senses godliness. In everything. There's nothing otherworldly about it. His world, his whole being, is godliness. He sees godliness in everything. In the most mundane things, he'll discover godliness. His mind thinks. You know, to, to us, our mind, our ego mind, thinks in a very materialistic way. And then we have the way the godly soul thinks. So we have this like otherworldly way of thinking which to us may appear foreign and strange and novel, and to the incomplete tzaddik, this otherworldly way of thinking is very overwhelming, it's very powerful. But nevertheless, he still senses that it's, it's from a different dimension. It's not the ordinary way of thinking. The complete tzaddik, however, his entire being has been transformed. His normal way of thinking, he thinks godliness, he sees godliness, and everything, that's, the, that's nature to him, that's natural to him. Everything else is unnatural materialism is otherworldly fit. Ego, egotism is otherworldly thing. godliness is, is, is the most natural thing in the world so this is the complete tzaddik the b'nai aliyah the superior human being who has the ability to transform negative into positive just like in his own being he has transformed it's been a core transformation in his very nature godliness has become his very nature Therefore, we are the microcosm. And whatever happens within us is reflected in the world. The complete tzaddik, the superior human being, has the ability to convert the world around him. Just like he converted his own nature, he has the ability to convert the whole world around him. To see in darkness, he's able to transform it into light. To take bitterness, transform it into into sweetness. To take negativity and transform it into something positive. Let's learn inside, page 155, but concerning the rank of the complete tzaddik.
0: Concerning the rank of the complete tzaddik, Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai's statement applies. I have seen superior men, b'nei aliyah, and they are but few. The reason that the complete tzaddikim are called b'nei aliyah, literally men of ascent, is that they convert evil and make it ascent to holiness. It is similarly written in the introduction to the Zohar, that when Rabbi Chia wished to ascend to the Hechal, heavenly shrine of Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, he heard a voice come out and say, Whichever of you before coming here have converted the darkness of the world to light, holiness, and have transformed the bitter taste of their animal soul and evil inclination to sweetness, holiness, only these may enter.
1: You see, in this world, in this false world that we live in, there is an advantage. In this world, you can enter into a place even though you have no connection to the place. You know, The Rebbe let us all in. <laughs> in a true world, if you're not ready, if you're not worthy, if you're not on the level, you aren't, you, you're not allowed in. In heaven, everything is clear, crystal clear. Whatever level you're at, that's the level you're allowed to enter. If you're not on that level, they don't let you in. So when Rabbi Chia's soul wanted to enter into the chamber of Shimon the consummate tzadik, the complete tzadik, true Bnei Aliyah, the elevated Jew, Rabbi Shimon Rebbe said, I'm sorry, you're righteous, you're a tzadik, but you're an incomplete tzadik, and you, you don't belong here, you can't go into my chamber. The only one who, who's allowed to go into my chamber, who can connect with my soul, is someone who's on my level. What's my level? To enter into this chamber, you have to be one who has the ability to transform darkness into light, negative into power, bitterness into sweetness. Who is able to do that? Only the complete tzaddik. Only the complete tzaddik, who is totally beyond this world, has the ability to change the world. You know, everyone talks about tikkun olam, changing the world. The only one who can really change the world is the one who is not part of the world, the, world, the one who is totally above the world. If you're part of the problem, how can you change the world if you are the world, if you're part of the problem? The prisoner cannot release himself from prison. He needs someone on the outside. So only the complete tzaddik, who's totally unaffected by this world, he's totally undefined by the world, the world doesn't even have a trace, doesn't have any hold on him. He doesn't define himself by the world, doesn't allow the world to define himself. His entire definition is a godly definition. That's the only reality to him. Only such a tzaddik could then engage in the world and transform the world. And it's like putting in his hands. He can play with it. He can do whatever he wants with it. It's a tool. He can harness it. He's not afraid of it. He can engage it. He doesn't have to run away from it. He doesn't have to escape. He can deal with it. And he can elevate it and transform it. And that's what they call B'nai Aliyah. They're able to elevate the world. They're able to transform the world and change the world at its very core and essence. So the complete tzaddik doesn't hide, doesn't run. He's able to deal with the world, engage the world, and change it. And he says, whoever is not on this level has, doesn't belong in my chamber, in my heavenly chamber. Because his soul is rooted in a, is not, is rooted in a lower level. He's an incomplete tzaddik. So this is the complete tzaddik. who so even among tzaddikim is superior. The Nealiyah. Very few. Maybe one in every generation. Maybe two in a generation.
2: Another reason for their designation of B'nai Aliyah. Even their divine service in the area of doing good and their fulfillment of Torah and its mitzvot for the sake of the, the above and their service is directed toward the most high level and toward the loftiest heights. Their divine service is not intended merely to attach themselves to God, serving Him through Torah and mitzvot so as to quench the thirst of their soul which thirsts for God. The divine service of sedikim of lower levels may indeed be for the purpose of stilling their thirst for God and their desire to cleave for Him. For indeed the fulfillment of the Torah and mitzvot satisfies these needs, as it is written. How exclaims the prophet, all who are thirsty for godliness should go to the waters of the Torah, Let, let them engage in Torah which is likened to water. As it explains elsewhere, that the thirsty ones... For this verse refer to those who thirst for godliness. The prophet's words prove this point, where he, adre- where he addressing those who thirst for Torah, who need not explain, oh, nor directed them its waters. Whoever thirsts for Torah will find it readily available for study. Rather, the prophet is addressing those who thirst for God, advising him to slake their thirst for him through Torah, which binds one to God. The men of Ascent, however, whom we have been discussing and beyond this level of divine service, they do not study Torah or perform mitzvot with the intention of quenching their own thirst for godliness, for such service is, in a subtle sense, a self-serving as it is motivated by one's desire for a certain spiritual profit, namely, the bliss of closeness to God.
1: The complete tzaddik has two names, the complete tzaddik and the tzaddik who is good, The tzaddik, who is good, describes the fact that he doesn't even have a trace of evil left in him. And precisely for that reason, he's able to deal with the evil. Because evil has no hold on him, because he's totally not beholden to evil, because he doesn't even have a trace of it left, therefore he's not afraid of it. He's able to deal with it. He's able to change it, challenge it, transform it, and engage it head on. Versus the incomplete tzaddik, who still has a trace of negativity left in the subconscious, doesn't have the power to transform the negative and to deal with the negative head The tzaddik is also called tzaddik gomer, complete tzaddik. Because his love for God is complete. So what does that mean, his love for God is complete? That means that the tzaddik is totally selfless. His motivation is not his own spiritual quest, his own spiritual search, the incomplete tzaddik is motivated by a powerful, intense spiritual quest. He yearns for godliness, searches for godliness, is thirsty for godliness is a hungry for godliness, which is very commendable instead of being hungry for materialism what 's he hungering for? What does he yearn for what 's he restless for? He's hungry and, and yearns for God. He's thirsty for God. And the only thing that can satisfy his thirst is studying Torah and doing mitzvahs and good deeds. Nothing else can possibly satisfy his soul yearning. His soul is on fire. It's incomplete tzaddik. is a soul on fire. It's Very commendable. Very high level. Only a few in every generation. 18,000 throughout Jewish history. A soul on fire. But it's the incomplete tzaddik. Because ultimately... What is the driving force of incomplete tzaddik? His own perfection, his own spiritual perfection. Of course, it's not an ego desire. He's not hungering for ego, for money, power, fame. He's hungering for godliness. He wants to connect with godliness. He wants to be alive. And he knows that the source of life is godliness. But nevertheless, it's a personal quest. It's a personal hunger. The complete tzaddik has a complete love for God. He's totally selfless. His motivation is not self. He's not thinking about himself. As a matter of fact, he sacrifices himself. He's thinking about Hashem. What can I do for Hashem? Not what can Hashem do for me. What can I do for Hashem? What does God want? Where am I needed? What's my mission? What's my purpose? How can I be of help? How can I be of service? Forget about yourself. Sacrificing. Sacrificing your spiritual self. Not sacrificing your material self. Materialism has no value for the time. Sacrificing his spiritual self. Sacrificing his precious time. Sacrificing his precious and thinking about Hashem. Only about Hashem. What can I do for Hashem? What does Hashem need me to do? And this is the complete love, the tzaddik gomer, the complete love for Hashem that the tzaddik is so in love with Hashem that it's not about me, it's about Hashem. And just like the complete tzaddik has a selfless love to Hashem, the complete tzaddik also has a selfless love for each and every Jew. And that's why the complete tzaddik has such an impact on Jews, because Jews feel and sense that it's really not about him. He really cares about me. He really feels for me. See, when a person loves his fellow Jew, like himself, but he's doing it out of obligation, he's doing it out of his own service of God, as part of being a perfect Jew, I have to care about another person. So it's an expression of me. It's ultimately, what do I care about? Deeply, I care about my soul. In order for my soul to be complete, I need to help another person. But the ultimate expression of love is, when it's not about yourself, when you really care about the other person, it's really about the other person. Forget about yourself. What's good for the other person? And that, that's my only care concern and the other person feels the other person knows if you really care about them or if you're just it's an extension of yourself you're just expressing your own need you have a need to love a fellow Jew a person can have a need to love his love fellow Jew like himself it's, part of, it's a deep spiritual need that I have in order for me to be whole I have to include another Jew but it's all about my need what do I care about? I care about my own needs do I truly care about the other Jew? Am I ready to sacrifice my own need and really care about the other Jew? And the difference is, would I give up my own spiritual fulfillment for the sake of my fellow Jew? Would you leave your own environment, the comforts of your own environment, would you give up, sacrifice your own spiritual need? Could a chassid, would a chassid leave the warmth and the presence of his Rebbe, give up, sacrifice his own spiritual proximity, his own spiritual fulfillment, and go to the far corners of the world, only for the sake of a fellow Jew. So the question is, where does that love of your fellow Jew come from? If it comes from a deep inner spiritual need that you have, then I'm not ready to sacrifice my own spiritual need, my own deep spiritual need, for my fellow Jew. I should love my fellow Jew more than I love myself. No. Love your fellow Jew like yourself, more than myself. I should sacrifice my own spiritual needs for my fellow Jew. That I won't do. But the ultimate expression of love is when it's pure and selfless, is that you're ready to sacrifice your own spiritual well-being, your own spiritual need, because you really care about the other person. And if you really care about the other person, you have to go where the other person is. And you have to speak to them in their language. You have to reach out and connect and communicate. And the other person could sense if you truly care about them or not. If you're just doing it because it's a... It's a campaign, it's a mitzvah, it's a mitzvah, it's an obligation, it's, it's my deep spirit, I, I know it pleases Hashem, Hashem will be happy with me if I go and I help another person. So the other two feels it, you don't really care about them. They're, they're just a prop, they're just an object. It's all about yourself, your own deep spiritual need. And the other person can also sense, if you're truly sacrificing yourself, that you really care about them, it's not about you, it's really about them. Therefore, then you're able to have an impact on them. Then you're able to, to really reach them. Because that's, that's what really gets to them. When they see, when they encounter genuine Avas Yisro, when they encounter that purity, that selflessness, that genuine sacrifice. Because for a chassid to leave the comforts of his environment and the comforts of his Rebbe and the proximity spiritual proximity and the physical proximity of his Rebbe, for Hasid that's a tremendous sacrifice it's not something that pleases him or something that he desires or wishes, there's no place in the world he would rather be, and be than be t- together together with his Rebbe but the Hasid who's taught by his Rebbe, the complete Tzaddik who is the epitome of a complete tzaddik, the epitome of selfless love. So the chassid is ready to sacrifice himself, his own spiritual being, because he really cares about the other other. People. A beautiful story, there uh, was once, I think it was Chernobyl Khassidim, chassidim, and the rebbe was coming to town. I think the fourth Lubavitcher Rebbe relates this story, and he saw that all the older all the Hasidim were washing the windows on their hands and knees and cleaning the house. All older Hasidim with long white beards, 80 year olds, 90 year olds. And it was like a scene to behold. <laughs> he had these dignified, learned mystic, mystics and scholars, and elder Hasidim with, with shiny faces were sitting and scrubbing and cleaning. And he said, What's going on? He said, The Rebbe is coming to town. And to us, it's an honor to personally scrub, clean the house that the Rebbe is staying in. Should sparkle. But Rebbe Marash saw that the young, they didn't allow the young people, the young generation to, to participate. he says, why don't you allow, he asked them, why don't you allow the young Hasidim to participate? He says, no, no, This this honor, we're this let them sit and watch. This is an honor and we're not ready, we're not giving up this honor. So he says he saw the difference then between Chabad Hasidism and all the other Hasidim. He says, what other Hasidim teach you, all the other Hasidism, it's like the level of the incomplete tzaddik. And what they inspire in their Hasidim is this deep spiritual urging and yearning and hunger and craving. And this. Just like you crave for something material and physical, you should learn to urge and crave and yearn for something holy and spiritual and God. But they were not ready sacrifice themselves for the sake of the younger generation, for the younger light, who are young, fresh, who need the training, need the education. He says, versus the Chabad chas, the Chabad chas, who's connected with the, the whole essence of Chabad, his idea, it's totally selfless. Because you're trying to connect with the level of the complete tzaddik. The complete tzaddik, his, what motivates him is not himself. What motivates him is, what can I do for Hashem? I'm a shliach, I'm, I'm an emissary, I'm on a mission. What does Hashem need from me? Forget about myself. Forget about my own spiritual growth. True self-sacrifice. Giving up your body is not mesirut nefesh. It's called mesirut aguf. Giving up your body, mesirut nefesh means giving up your soul. Giving up things that deeply matter to you. Like Moshe said, Moshe says, erase my name from the Torah. Moshe was ready to sacrifice his life for the sake of those other Jews. Those sinners, the worst sinners in Jewish history. The biggest bums and lowlifes in Jewish history. And Moshe was ready to sacrifice his soul. Everything that meant everything to him, the place in the Torah, for the sake of those Jews. That's a yid. That's a leader. That's what the Tzad de Gomer is all about. It's not about me. It's about what does Hashem need for and the same thing is, it's not about me. What, what can I do for the other yid? It's really about him. And that's why the Chabad Hasid is able to sacrifice himself and care about the other yid. Where the elder Hasidim would sacrifice themselves and allow the younger chassidim and give them the training. Forget about themselves and help the next generation. As Hashem says in the title, why do I love Avram? Not because of Avram. For all his greatness and his ten tests, that's not why I love him. I love him because Manyitzadlah is Bandav is Akhra because he will educate his children and grandchildren. It's not about him, it's about the other. And that's why it's no secret that the Chabad Hasid have the ability to go out in every corner of the world and are able to touch so many Jews. All Jews across the board form, conservative, author, unaffiliated, any Jew and every Jew. Because the other Jew can sense right away. Do you really care about me? Or is it just another project? another? It's an extension of yourself. Are you building yourself? Are you answering a deep inner spiritual need that you have? I'm just a prop for you? Or is it for real? Do you really care about me? It's about me. It's not about me. And when the other person senses that unconditional love, that genuine love, that pure love, that selfless love, then the other person senses this is for real. And that's why he's able to penetrate and to reach and to connect. So the fact that the shliach is able to leave the comfort of being close to the Rebbe, and the comforts of his environment, and the warmth of the spiritual home, and is able to go to the spiritual deserts and bundaks. And what motivates him? A sense of shlichut, a sense of mission. I am an emissary of Hashem, it's not about me. What can I do for Hashem? What does Hashem need me for right now? If you live with that sense of mission, then you're able to live the life of the complete tzad. The unconditional love for Hashem. Selfless love for Hashem what motivates you is not my spiritual growth, my world, future in the world to come my spiritual greatness, my soul, forget about me my I, forget about it. even even the noble eye, spiritual I, The incomplete tzaddik, soul on fire forget about it, it's about Hashem what can I do for Hashem that's why the complete tzaddik is called B'nai Aliyah he's a superior, superior Jew because he's thinking about one thing: what can I do for Hashem? He really cares about Hashem. He really has a real relationship with Hashem. Whereas the incomplete tzaddik, it's about me—spiritual me, a noble me, a uplifted me, a great me, a heavenly me. But it's—you still haven't. You still have a trace of ego left. You still haven't. It's all about me. So it's, you haven't totally left the ego behind. Only the in, the complete tzaddik has totally left the ego behind. It's not about me. It's totally about Hashem. I care about Hashem. More than I care about myself. I care about the fellow Jew more than I care about myself. It's genuine. Therefore, why? Because he doesn't even have a trace of ego left. It's not about me. And therefore, complete sadly is not afraid of the ego. Therefore, he's able to harness the ego and use the ego. And he's able to live in this natural world. Very naturally and very down to earth and very practical, he's able to transform from within, achieve a core transformation, transform this very world from olam, which comes from the word from a place where godliness is concealed, and transform it from that bitterness, from that darkness, from that cover up, transform it with the olam itself becomes la olam la forever and ever. You reveal the eternity of Hashem within this world. Baruch forever. You're able to transform goyla, which is the Hebrew word for exile, and you're able to insert the aleph and transform it from goyla to ge'ula, to redemption. From within, transform the very exile itself into a world of redemption. Who is able to accomplish this? Only the complete side. Because it's not about I. There isn't even a trace of ego level. It's pure. It's totally selfless. It cares deeply only about Hashem. And therefore, is able to be Hashem's ambassador in this world. He's able to engage in this world. He's able to encounter the world. He's able to truly achieve a tikkun olam, no olam, the malchud, shakai, to transform this world from within starting from within himself the complete tzaddik has achieved a core transformation where his very being his very pleasure is only only in godly things so he has totally transcended his ego there's no ego there's no I not only consciously even subconsciously it's all about Hashem that's the center of his being that's the essence of his being there's nothing else Just like there's nothing but Hashem, in his own life there's nothing but Hashem. That's the only thing in his life that motivates him, that drives him, that compels him. It's all about Hashem. And this is the ultimate, ultimate Jew and the ultimate ideal for a Jew. And the reason ultimately why the soul comes down to this world. That a person should forget about yourself. And be totally motivated by Hashem. It's a... uh, order. You know, we're at the level of the Halavai Beneni. Halavai, we reach the level of the Beneni where we can discipline ourselves and lead a wholesome life. Think like a Jew and speak like a Jew and act like a Jew. And here we're talking about an ideal which is like way up there. Not only the incomplete tzaddik, the complete tzaddik. But nevertheless, the Medrash says that every Jew has to ask himself: Masayagiyah maisei when will my actions reach the level of the patriarchs and the matriarchs? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It doesn't say when I can reach the level of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. How can we reach the level of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? It says, When can my actions reach the level of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? If I can't live on that level experientially, and whom are we kidding? We have healthy egos and vibrant egos. And with every passing day, it gets healthier and healthier, and more vibrant and more vibrant. But at least behaviorally, act in our actions, we can live that type of life. We can live that life at every moment. We think, every day we think to ourselves, I'm Hashem's emissary. I'm His ambassador. What does He need from me? What's my mission? We can live, live with a sense of mission, a sense of purpose. And truly look out for another Jew. Truly look out for another Jew. Every day, think to ourselves, what, what did I do today to help another Jew? really think about them, about their well-being, their welfare, help them physically, spiritually. So in action, I can live up to this ideal. That's why we're learning about the tzaddik. Why are we learning about the tzaddik? It's so far from us. We're talking about things we can barely even relate to. We're struggling with our conflicts, with our negativity, with ego, with arrogance, with self-absorption. We're dealing with such, and here we're talking about such lofty, the complete tzaddik, Rabbi Shimon Baichoy, the perfect tzaddik, Moshe Rabbeinu, King David. Rabbeinu. But the answer is, yeah, the Torah expects us. We could live on that level. Practically, we can live on that level, if not experientially, till Mashiach comes. But at least we can be motivated by that, by that ideal. And when the chassid is connected to the rebbe, then. The, the, he's motivated by the same motivation that the Rebbe is motivated. And this whole ideal that he's describing here, the complete tzaddik, the Bnei Aliyah, this is the whole emphasis. The whole emphasis in our generation that the Rebbe has placed. The Rebbe made the whole emphasis. He shifted the whole focus. That the focus of a Jew has to be every Jew. And we're all emissaries of Hashem. Every Jew is a shliach, is an emissary. You have to ask yourself, what's my mission? What can I do for God today? What does He need me for? What can I accomplish? Look around you, open your eyes. How can I help my neighbor? How can I help my friend? How can I help another? And this is a practical way of life. It's not otherworldly. not in heaven. It's very real. We just celebrated this weekend, the gathering of all the shluchim. 3,600 Chabad houses just like this all over the world. There were like 25, over 2,500 emissaries together, with like 4,000 people, you know, with some of their supporters. And, um, you know, it's just a very powerful reality. These are people who are out there selflessly and just giving them themselves and, and truly care about the Jews in their community and are truly there for them, whatever they need, whatever, any way they can help. And to truly live every day of their life to help another Jew. It's not just about myself. At the same time, they themselves are Hasidim, and they're Jews, and they're observant Jews, and they study Torah, and they do mitzvot, and they're raising their family, and they're advancing spiritually on a personal level, and and dealing with their own inner challenges and conflicts. But an essential motivation of their life is is every day a sense of mission. I'm here to accomplish something. I'm here, What, what can I do for God? What can I do for Hashem? How can I do Hashem's work in this world? How can I help another person? And they truly care about the other Jew. And the other Jew feels that and knows that. And that's why they're they're able to create these wonderful communities, something out of nothing. And, and their communities support them totally. They receive all the financial support is totally from homegrown, from within their own communities. Because they create partners, because the Jew feels that this is genuine, this is for real. It's not. A, it's, not a, it's not a job and it's not a... It's not answering some deep personal need that the chassid has. This is a genuine thing that we're doing Hashem's work and that we're all in this together and we're all connected and we all have to look out for each other and we all, and, and the other Jew feels it. So you have this life of the inner tzaddik that he's describing here is very real. It's not, just, it's not just an interesting piece of information. This is, this is a call for action. This is really a lifestyle that we can all achieve at least practically at least we can live up to this lifestyle in, in, in our own personal lives, in a small way. At least reflect the life of the tzaddik, of the complete tzaddik, Because this is the ultimate. This is the ideal. This is the Jew within the Jew. This is the Pintle Yid, the Yichida, the fifth level of the soul. The Chayah is, is the spiritual level of the soul, the mystic within the Jew, the spiritual. But that's not, that doesn't really get to the crux of what Judaism is all about. Like the incomplete tzaddik really, really hasn't, hasn't arrived yet, he hasn't really touched the essence of Hashem, the complete Sadr. Now you're talking, this is the Jew within the Jew, this is the deepest level of the soul, the fifth level of the Neshama, the Chaya, the Yechida. And this is the Jew within us, This this is the ideal, this is what a Jew has to strive for and aspire toward, and really try to live his life. And we saw, the Rebbe, we saw more than any other of the Rebbes, we saw the living example of this. This is a living example. And, and this became the calling for an entire generation. Not just the Rebbe lived on this level. Totally selfless. Never took a day's vacation. was totally concerned with every Jew. When he spoke to you, nothing else was on his mind except you. He was totally present. It was really about you, not about him. But, this became a calling of a generation. The Rebbe made this whole lifestyle, and this whole made this the, the first and foremost question that each and every one of us should ask ourselves. We should view ourselves as, as a shliach, as an emissary, here in a mission, as Hashem's personal ambassador. Think, what can I do for Hashem? What can I do for my fellowship?
0: Rather, the service of God is as the Takinu Zohar explains, that which our sages have said, who is a pious one? Asib. He who is benevolent. Amit with his creator, Kono. the Tilkunu Zohar comments that Kono, usually translated, his creator is here to be interpreted as his nest, derived from the root Ken nest. And thus, the Hasid is he who is benevolent with his nest, that is, his source, God. This benevolence towards God consists of uniting the Holy One, blessed be he, with his Shekhinah, the divine presence, so that the light of this union Reach and be felt in even the lowest worlds. As it also explains in Raya Ma on in the manner of a son who exerts himself for his father and mother, whom he loves more than himself, more than his own nefesh, ruach, and Neshamah, and who sacrifices his life for their sake to redeem them, should they be held in captivity. And it is also explained elsewhere. Such is the divine service of men of ascent. It is wholly altruistic, motivated only by a desire to please God and make His presence felt everywhere.
1: The Zohar says that the complete tzaddik is like a child who loves his parents more than he loves himself and is ready to sacrifice his life for their sake. So, what motivates him is his love for his parents, not himself. He's not thinking about himself. He's truly thinking about about his parents. So too, the complete tzaddik has in his mind, first and foremost, what can I do for Hashem? How can I bring Hashem into this world? How can I bring godliness into this world? The complete tzaddik, it bothers him. It bothers him that there are people in the world who don't love Hashem, or that godliness isn't manifest in this world. Because since he's, he has his consummate love for Hashem, he wants everyone to love God. And if there's one corner in this world that, that doesn't love Hashem, it bothers him. And he does something of that. And the fact that this physical world, the lowest of all the world, is so dense and dark and materialistic, he wants to bring godliness into the world. How does he bring Hashem's light into this world? When you do a mitzvah. Every time you do a mitzvah, every time you study Torah, you bring a little light into this world. Every time you do an act of kindness, you bring a little light into this world. So he's motivated to bring Hashem's light into this world. Because he loves his parents, he loves his father, and he wants to sacrifice himself to do anything he can for them, and that's his his sole motivation in life, that's his love in life, that's his motivation, he's not even thinking about himself, his motivation is to to bring Hashem's presence and Hashem's awareness, and to bring Hashem's reality into this world, and there's only one way to bring Hashem's reality into this world, by studying Torah and doing mitzvot with his physical objects in this physical world, in our daily lives, that's how you bring Hashem's light, you light up the world, you bring Hashem's illumination into this dark physical world. And that's his motivation. So he does Torah and not in order for his soul to connect with God. Like, the, like you read earlier, the Jew is thirsty, and therefore if he's thirsty, how do you quench your thirst? When I study Torah, my soul is quenched. It's not about me. I'm not thinking about myself. I'm thinking about, I want to bring Hashem's presence into this world. I want everyone to know Hashem. And I want Hashem's presence and reality and light to permeate all of existence. And the only way to do that is by Torah and mitzvah. And that's his motivation. This is the ultimate, like a child who has a love relationship, love with his parents, is ready to sacrifice himself for his parents, he's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about about his parents. And this is what motivates the Jew to do Torah, the complete tzaddik to do Torah. Not that I should connect with God, my own self-fulfillment, that I should lead a meaningful life. That's not the purpose. That's not what motivates me. That's what motivates the incomplete tzaddik. I want to lead a meaningful life. With well, incomplete tzaddik is a soul on fire. He wants to be spiritual. He wants to be divine. He wants to be godly. He wants to be holy. He wants to be pure. Higher levels of consciousness and even higher levels of consciousness. And deeper and deeper. It's all about me. It's a deep need that I have inside of me. Deep yearning a deep hunger. And fire. But that's not what motivates the complete tzaddik. The complete tzaddik is motivated by love for his parents. What can I do for Hashem? What can please Hashem? And what, what, there's nothing that will please Hashem more than when Hashem's light and reality permeates all of existence. When you can draw down Hashem's infinite light into this physical world, this is what Hashem wants. Hashem desired that this physical world, the lowest in this materialistic world, this coarse world that we live in, should become a dwelling place for God. That God's presence should be felt. That God's awareness should permeate this reality the human consciousness and the world that we live in. And the only way to do that is through Torah and mitzvah. And that's why he studies Torah and that's why he does mitzvahs, to bring Hashem down into this world. And to please Hashem, to give Hashem nachas, to give Hashem pleasure. This is the complete tzaddik. This is a selfless love. This is the the highest level of love possible. No ego. No selfishness. It's not about me. Because the, the incomplete tzaddik as, as great as he is, a soul on fire, but since there's a trace of ego, so from that ego, ultimately, you can end up descending into, into just ego, living an egotistical lifestyle. The two, the two have something in common. The incomplete tzaddik, and the complete tzaddik, even though they're, they're uh, the incomplete tzaddik, and the person who's not serving Hashem, even though they are diametrically opposed, but nevertheless, they have something in common. This person is motivated by ego to pursue materialism, and this, this person is motivated by ego to pursue godliness. And therefore, you can descend from one to the other. But the complete tzaddik doesn't even have a trace of ego left. Him. And therefore, he has totally transcended the whole potential for sin. You don't even have the potential for sin. Because there's no, there's no ego. He's not motivated by ego. All sin comes from ego, ultimately. Why do you forget about Hashem? You forget about Hashem because, as the Baal says, the Hebrew word for sin is Chet. Chet is written Chet, Tet, Aleph. The Aleph is silent. Why does a person sin? Aleph represents the One, Hashem. A person sins because the Aleph is silent. You forget about Hashem. Why do you forget about Hashem? Because he's so egotistical, you're so ego-motivated, you forget about Hashem. So all sin comes from ego. So as long as there's even a trace of ego left, we're still expelled from the Garden of Eden. We can't fix the original sin, because we're still under the influence of ego. The one who can truly heal and mend and truly correct the, the origins of sin is the complete tzaddik. Because he doesn't even have a trace of ego left. There's not even a trace of eye. Not even a spiritual eye. In true self-sacrifice, he's only thinking about Hashem. And therefore, he he can mend this world, this world that's so broken, the physical material world that has become so coarse, and has become so broken as a result of that sin... Who is the one who can truly mend it and heal it and transform the negative back into positive and transform the bitterness back into sweetness and the sin into mitzvah? Who is the one who can really accomplish that and transform this world into a place where God's presence is manifest and felt? The only one who can truly accomplish it is the complete tzaddik. Because he he doesn't even have a trace of the source of all the problems that we have in this world. Everything that makes this world so brutish and nasty and, and, and bitter and, and harsh, which all comes from ego. The tzaddi doesn't even have a trace of ego left, the complete tzaddi, He has a pure, selfless, total love for Hashem. And that's, the only, that's his only reality. That, that's what motivates him, nothing else. So when a person reaches a level where he even transcends the spiritual, he's truly connected with godliness. There's nothing else but Hashem. And that's his only motivation he is the one who can bring the world, restore the world back to its origin. When this world was a garden of Eden. When Hashem's presence was ma- manifest. Hashem's Shechina was felt in this world. And that's why Rabbi Shimon said, unless you are able to transform bitterness into sweetness, you don't belong there. You have no connection. Because Rabbi Shimon had that power to redeem the world. Rabbi Shimon is connected to redemption. The Zohar, with the Zohar we're going to leave exile. Because only the complete tzaddik could truly redeem this world. Because it doesn't even have a trace of ego. And even though, who are we? How can we even possibly... What connection do we have? But by being Hasidim, and we're connected to the Rebbe, as we learned in the second chapter of the Tanya, when we connect with the, the leader of the generation, so the Rebbe gives us some of that divinity, gives us some of that divine experience, that at least on a practical level, this can become a central theme in our lives. That we're not motivated by ego. We're motivated by genuine sense of mission, of serving Hashem, for Hashem's sake. Not about ego, not even spiritual ego. Not about I. What's my shlichut? What can I do? What does Hashem need me for? How can I truly help another Jew? Forget about myself. Really be there for the other Jew. Help them. Wherever they are, go to where they are. And in their situation. And speak to them and help them communicate with them in their language so this is the this is the the challenge of the complete tzaddik each and every one of us it's not enough knowing that there exists such a Jew somewhere <laughs> somewhere in the generation mm-hmm. there is a there is a there is a there is a Jew who lives this lifestyle who's living on this level but it's a challenge for us that we should plug in and we should connect. We should also be able to live someone in this lifestyle. And now he's going to explain page, uh, page um, 159. Let's skip to page, page 159.
3: Both interpretations are complementary. For by refining the good found in Kalipat Yoga, as the men of descent, do converting their animal soul, which is derived from Kriptak Noga, to good, one elevates feminine waters, man, affecting unions in the higher realms so as to cause masculine waters, mud, to descend to this world. These masculine waters are the waters of kindness that flow and are contained in each of the 248 positive mitzvot, which are all in the nature of kindness, or benevolence, and masculine borders. This term, masculine borders, as applied to mitzvot, means that mitzvot draw God's holiness from above, i.e., from the higher realms, downwards, so that God's holiness be clothed in and revealed within the lowest realms, i.e., our physical world, as explained elsewhere. Thus, the two interpretations of the term meant ascend
1: have come to In a relationship, a relationship is a two-way street. In the spiritual realm, you don't just press a button and something happens. There's nothing mechanical, or technical. It's a relationship, like any other relationship. If you, if your heart is open and you feel love and warmth towards the other person, the other person can't help but respond. The heart is like a mirror. It just reflects back whatever you project. Um, If you draw close to someone, the other person will draw close to you. If you are distant from the other person, the other person will will grow distant from you. Not the other person is neutral. If you draw close, the other person will move in your direction. If you draw away, the other person will move even further in the opposite direction. And the same is our relationship with God. Our relationship with God, it's a relationship. It's a two-way street. The open, the more open we are, we open our hearts. Hashem responds. Hashem meets us more than halfway. If we turn our backs to Hashem, Hashem also turns his back to us. Not a punishment. It's a consequence. It's reality. It's a real intimate relationship. Our, the Kabbalah talks about asarusa delathta, asarusa de There's arousal from below, evokes a response. Any arousal from below, any movement that we make from below, any sacrifice, any movement that we make on our end evokes a response from Hashem. Hashem does not remain indifferent. And vice versa. So, and that's in the language of the Kabbalah, this is what we call, it's like the feminine energy and the masculine energy. The feminine energy is the arousal from below, and the masculine energy responds and there's all types of interplay. which comes first. The arousal from above, sometimes we start out with the arousal from above and that evokes a response from below and then there's arousal from below, which evokes a more powerful response from, from above. So there's a giving and there's a receiving. It's a two-way street. And just like in the masculine-feminine relationship, that's, that's a very powerful imagery and a powerful analogy, but that's the reality of life, that there is this, this two-way street. So the masculine energy refers to the energy that comes from Hashem. Hashem is the masculine, Hashem is the, is the groom, and the Jewish people are His bride. So these two levels that he described, of the Bnei Aliyah, the special Jews, on one hand, because they're able to elevate and transform the negative into positive, the bitterness into sweetness, they're able to engage in the world and transform the world, And the other interpretation, that Ne'aliyah is because they're totally selfless, they're thinking about Hashem, and they're motivated by one goal, and that is to bring Hashem's presence into this world. He says the two are connected. It's because of their transformation, because they've achieved in their own personal self a core transformation where their entire pleasure is godliness, and their entire nature has become godliness, their entire being, and they're able to, to transform the world around them as well, transform the negative into positive, because they're able to achieve such a core transformation, this is the arousal from below. This is what stirs up a powerful response from above. This is what evokes from Hashem's point of view, from Hashem's end, it evokes a powerful revelation of godliness into this world. So because the tzaddik, engages in the world, and transforms the material into spiritual, the negative into positive, that's why when the tzaddik does Torah mitzvah through his Torah and he's able to draw down into this world a powerful, powerful illumination of godliness into this world. He's able to draw down a powerful energy of Hashem into this world to bring Hashem's awareness, Hashem's presence down into this coarse, physical, material world. And because the tzaddik, is able to achieve such a powerful arousal from below, he's also able to evoke a powerful withdrawal from above, and it reaches very, very far, and very deep. That's why the tzaddik is able to bring a light that illuminates and that reaches very far and very wide. So the deeper the the inner work of the tzaddik, the deeper the inner work of the tzaddik, that he has transformed himself totally, and has transformed his entire pleasure, his godliness, that that's, that enables him to evoke such a powerful response that has such such an impact on the, on the world, on the outside world he's able to bring Hashem's awareness and Hashem's holiness and godliness into, into the entire work this is Kabbalistic it needs, a, it needs a, a little more explanation, but just to get back for a moment to the with this chapter Al Alter Rebbe concludes his explanation of the The next chapter we're going to start next week. Mitzvah Shem is going to speak about the Russia. And just like there's two levels of the tzaddik, there's also two levels of the Russia. Now we're getting a little closer to home. (laughs) Now now we're talking a little more reality.
0: (laughs) But the uh, I think we could relate to uh, a little better.
1: But it's interesting. Al-Tarebi started in the first ta- chapter, he recorded the Talmud. The Talmud says that there are five levels, the complete tzaddik, the incomplete tzaddik, the bainani, and then the incom- incomplete Russia and the complete Russia. the Gemara says, why is... What the Gemara is talking about on a literal level. Why is one tzaddik... The Gemara says, why tzaddik v'tayvlai? Why is one tzaddik has a good in this world? And the other tzaddik is He suffers in this world. The answers: is Tzadik vetoivloy. The Tzadik who has a good in this world, Tzadik Gummer is a complete Tzadik. That's why he has a good in this world. The Tzadik who suffers in this world, because he's an incomplete Tzadik. And the same is with the Russia. The Russia who has a good in this world, because he's, he's an incomplete Russia, he's not a total Russia. So he has some reward in this world. The Russia, the alloy, the Russia, who suffers who has not material, not spiritual, he has nothing, is because he's a Rasha Gomer, he's a total Rasha. So he gets his punishment in this world. Hashem doesn't wait for the world to come. That's the simple level. And then he brought in the zayar, and that's what he explained here, that this means, on a deeper level, it means it's a description of the inner state of the tzaddik. The Tzadik Gomer is a complete tzaddik who loves Hashem with a selfless love, a total love. And why is he a tzaddik Gomer? Because he's a tzaddik Vitoivle. Everything about him is good. He has totally transformed his whole being. Even his ego, his yetzahar, has been totally transformed. And he loves God with the same animal passion that we have to materialism. He has totally transformed his animal. Is, he has the same animal pleasure and delight and towards godliness. This is the complete tzaddik. The incomplete tzaddik is someone whose love to Hashem is incomplete because he still has traces of ego left in him. And that's why he's a tzaddik he still has Because he has tzaddik ved he still has some ra some traces of ego negativity inside of him even though it's not conscious therefore tzaddik Shein Agamber his love for Hashem is also incomplete what motivates his love for Hashem? his own spiritual yearning spiritual hunger and that's why he can't transform the world because he's still defined by the world he still has something in common with the world he's still part of the world in a certain sense he hasn't totally transcended this world so he can't deal with it he has to run away he has to escape fine but this is a nice inner mystical Hasidic interpretation but how about the literal interpretation with the Talmud? We know all interpretations are connected. When the Talmud says that the complete tzaddik is someone who loves Hashem, the complete tzaddik is tzaddik v'toivlach, who has a good in this world. And the incomplete tzaddik is someone who suffers in this world. The question is, we know many complete tzaddikim who, who suffer in this world. That's the other question. We find many tzaddikim who are totally f- complete tzaddikim, and yet they suffer in this world. They had nothing. So how can you say that the complete tzaddik is a tzaddik who is rewarded in this world, versus the incomplete tzaddik? And it's very interesting. There's a beautiful story told about Rabbi Zushav of the a colleague of the Alter Rebbe, and. Uh, someone once comes to, to his teacher, Malta Rebbe's teacher, Rabbi Dovber, the Maggid of Mizritch, and he says, please help me understand the Talmudic passage. The Talmud says that a person, we have studied in the ninth chapter of Brachot, the first tractate in the Talmud, it says a person has to thank Hashem for tragedies, for the negative things that happen to you, just like you thank Hashem for the positive, the good things that happen to you. And the Talmud adds, not only do you have to thank Hashem, we have to receive it joyously. And he says, how is it possible? It's humanly impossible. How can a person thank Hashem and be grateful and receive with joy pain and suffering? So the Rabbi Dovber Magid said, if you want to understand this Talmudic passage, go to my student, Rabbi Zusha, in the city of Annapolis, and he'll explain it to you. Fine. So he travels the city of Annapolis. he looks at Rabbi Zusha, it's hard to find. He's living in the wrong side of the tracks, in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the most impoverished section of town. He comes to his house, a broken-down shack. The windows are open. He walks into the house. The kids are running around, barefoot. He says, "Could I stay here? He says, sure, listen, whatever i have, I'll share with you. I don't have much. A little black bread, stale bread. And it, He's never seen such poverty in his life. And the kids are running around barefoot, and there's nothing to eat, and it's just, it's just incredible. Anyway, he hangs around a day, two, three, is waiting to hear some words of wisdom that will shed some light on this Talmudic passage. Finally, he can't contain himself any longer. He says, Rabbi Zusha, I'll tell you the truth. The reason I came here is because I asked our Rebbe, Rabbi, Rabbi Dov, to help me understand this passage in the Talmud, the mission in the Talmud, how can you, a Jew thank Hashem and bless Hashem for the negative, just like you thank and bless Hashem for the positive? Zusha looks at him, he says, I don't understand. I can't understand. For the life of me. Why would the Rebbe send you to me? What would I know? I haven't suffered a day in my life. And he got his answer. The Zusha hasn't suffered a day in his life. <laughs> he hasn't had a good day in his life. But for the complete tzaddik, he doesn't suffer. Because the complete tzaddik is living with Hashem. Whether Hashem gives you with his right hand, he gives you with his left hand, anything that happens in this world all comes from Hashem. What difference does it make? The complete tzaddik, who doesn't define himself by anything external, his entire definition is Hashem, there's nothing else but Hashem. So whatever Hashem gives him, Hashem gives me exactly what I need. He's happy. He's the happiest person in the world. There's no trace of ego. There's no, there's no sense of dissatisfaction. There's no sense of, I need. He has no need. Everything I have, Hashem takes care of. Hashem provides. He's the happiest human being of Nothing external can make you happy. While the Rasha, who defines himself by his ego, his ego definition, he cannot be happy. Why? Because nothing external will make you happy. No matter how much you possess, no matter how much you accomplish, no matter what you have, it's not enough. It's never enough. It just makes you more miserable, makes you hungry, makes you feel inadequate. Never forget the article printed in the New York Times a few years ago. It was a full page story. I forget his name. He said, better not to mention, he said he was was worth $800 million. And the headline was, Where Did I Go Wrong? He felt it like a failure. He felt miserable. He was <laughs> 800 million dollars. <laughs> Where did I go wrong?
0: He was complaining
1: that all all these young schmendricks, when the dot-coms were booming, all these 20-year-old the schmendricks were worth 3 billion, and he's a 50-year-old person, worked all his life, worked so hard, and he's only worth 800 million dollars. What a failure. I mean. This is, a happy, this is a happy human being. He can have all the money in the world and you're miserable. Howard Hughes, wealthiest human being in the world. Died a miserable human being. Nothing external can make you happy. So the Rasha is, is Vidaloy. The complete Rasha is Vidal. No matter what he has, he's miserable. Vidaloy. To him, life is miserable. Life is a misery. He's not happy. The complete Tzaddik, the Tzaddik, he's the happiest person in God's world. And he has everything he needs. Everything he has. Hashem is with him. Everything comes from Hashem. He senses Hashem and everything. He has inner happiness. When you have inner happiness, you're the, happiest per- you're the wealthiest person in world, And the happiest person. But if you don't have an inner life, and you don't have any inner happiness, you're, you're like a stone. You're totally materialistic. Nothing spiritual moves you. Nothing spiritual inspires you. You have no hunger for anything, Spirit. You're so self-content. You're so satisfied with, your, with who you are. You're not a seeker. You're not a searcher. This is, the most, this is a recipe for disaster. You'll be, you'll be a miserable human being. There's nothing in the world that will make you happen. Nothing could make you The more you have, the more jealous you are. The more eaten up you are with jealousy and envy. you'll just be miserable. So, the literal translation of the Talmud is, coincides with the spiritual translation, the way Al Terevi explains it here. Because when the person is a Rasha Gamma, as we'll learn next week, he's, he's physically miserable. Birawle, no matter what he has, don't look at the veneer, at the surface, at the inside, he's a miserable human being. While the complete tzaddik, Tad is he's the happiest person in the world. Physically happy, not just spiritually. As Rabbi Zusha said, why would the Rebbe send it to me and haven't suffered a day in my life? So the the Rabbi Zusha never saw anything negative. He only saw good. Because he was good. If he was good, he only saw good. In the world around him, he saw good. Because the way you look at the world, you see what you are. The world is just an image, a mirror of your own inner world. We are the microcosm. The microcosm is just a a reflection. That's all it is. A mirror. If you have your act together and you're focused, the world comes into focus. If you're the bane and you live a focused life and material, then the world becomes focused. Materialism is a means to an end. And you're able to negotiate life in a healthy, wholesome way and deal with life and deal with the challenges of life. If you're a complete tzaddik, incomplete tzaddik, but you're a tzaddik, so you don't see, you don't see anything negative. You, you're so overwhelmed with good that you see the good in everything. And if you're a total tzaddik, if you're a complete tzaddik, that's like the sto- That's the difference between. They say there were three colleagues: Rabbi Levi Yitzhak of Barditchev, Rabbi Zusha of An-Napoli, and the Alter Rebbe. And there were three ways, they had three ways of relating to their fellow Jew. believe Yitzhak Barditchev was a brilliant, brilliant Torah scholar. And a brilliant person. Abel Yitzhak Barditchev would try to interpret everything for the good. If he saw something negative in a fellow Jew, he would immediately find something good to say. He was like a good lawyer. He dug deep. He dug up something good to say. He, twi- he had a positive twist to everything, a spin. He spinned everything positively. Once he meets a Jew smoking on Shabbat, he says, Well, you probably forgot that today is Shabbos. He says, No, I know today, Shabbos. you probably forgot you're not allowed to smoke on Shabbos. He says, No, so he turns to Hashem. What a wonderful people he is! I'm trying to get him to lie. You can't lie. <laughs> Look how honest he is. So it was a positive spin, you know, he would be a good spin doctor. Everything he saw the positive in everything, he turned everything around to say something positive. You know, he once met a, a wagon driver who was cleaning his. Polishing his wagon while he was wearing talisman and filling. This won't be our reaction. What a bum, what a low life, what a good for nothing. and no-good You're davening to Hashem, go to shul for five minutes. You can you have to go <laughs> while you're davening, you have to go in, in the stable and polish your But what was ever reaction? It's the opposite. Hashem, what a wonderful people you have. Even when he's polishing his wagons, he's thinking about you. Because he wasn't being facetious. His point was, if this guy is such a bummer in a low life, why is he davening altogether? But even though he is a bummer in a low life, but yet he's a Jew, how can I not daven and talk to Hashem? So he, he looked and searched for the good and everything. But then there was Rabbi Zushar Vanapal. Rabbi Zushar Vanipold, he had a blind spot. He had blind. He couldn't see anything negative. I suffered a day in my life and never suffered. He didn't see anything negative in the MQ. He only saw positive. He was so positive himself, that he only saw positive. The world around him, everything was positive. He couldn't see anything negative. And then there was the Alter Rebbe. Alter Rebbe was no romantic. Alter Rebbe didn't... He saw the bum and the lowlife of who they were and what they were. He didn't try to romanticize them. And he wasn't oblivious. He saw. And yet he loved the Jew unconditionally. Because he said to himself, if this Jew has such a challenge to deal with such negativity, imagine the amount of strength that Hashem gave to his neshama, to this particular Jewish neshama, that he's able to overcome such handicaps, such moral handicaps. He must be something very special. And the Rebbe spoke to him, encouraged him, loved him, and helped him evoke these hidden strengths that this Jew had to be able to turn his life around. So the difference is, that the Alter Rebbe saw the Jew for who he is. And yet he was able to reach him and connect with him and, and, and able to touch him deeply and get the Jew to turn his life around and to realize his potential. So this is in a way, it's like the complete tzaddik. The complete tzaddik is able, to, ironically, the complete tzaddik is able to deal with the world as it is. Doesn't have to romanticize the world and make the world something otherworldly. Or he's able to deal with the world as is, and at the same time, is able to find the godliness in everything. He's able to transform and to discover the godliness, to bring down the godliness in everything, to bring down the masculine waters, to be able to bring down the godly energy and to bring down the, the to bring to find the divine in everything. Why? Because the complete tzaddik, is, it's not about himself. The complete tzaddik is able to see the world as is, and is able to deal with the world mm-hmm. as is, and is able to transform the world. So this is the connection between the two, the higher orders and the lower orders Because the complete tzaddik is able to, that's why he's able to find Hashem and bring Hashem into, into every, every situation and is able to transform the world at its very core and essence.
0: This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at lessonsintanya.com.